Hello, everyone, and thank you for joining us for this episode of Threat Talk. Now, I'm your host, Bob Hansman, and today's episode is about balancing the in-house and outsource SecOps requirements. Now, juggling priorities has always been a, a big and painful issue for security professionals, but the options for outsourcing have expanded dramatically to the point that it takes an expert to navigate all the different outsourcing landscape options. So we invited a couple of experts to help us kick off this first episode in a series on this topic. Now, David Ayers is an Infobox product expert who's also a longtime telco veteran, including time with Verizon, who I'm sure you all know from their annual data breach report, if nothing else. Unfortunately, Philip Miller, a principal solution architect with Infobox, has had a last minute conflict, but he's gonna join us on a later episode as we drill into some more specific areas, in particularly some that uh, he has a unique perspective on. Uh, but I do wanna thank you for joining us, David. Hey, thank you very much, Bob, I appreciate it. Now, I wanted to start this out because a lot of our followers are uh, are early in their cybersecurity careers. Um, we have veterans and a big mix, but we've also picked a lot of those who are just kind of starting on that career path. So why would anybody really even want to outsource? Why not just do it all yourself? Well, let me let me sort of take it from from my background. Obviously, you, you know, you mentioned Verizon um, and other companies that I've worked for that uh, where they've provided, you know, internet connectivity, cloud computing services, all sorts of, you know, these other type of things, um, but also some sort of a managed service. And, and I think, you know, in the past, one of the easier ways to look at it was from um, looking at outsourcing IT operations to begin with, right? So yeah. you think about, um, you know, the cost savings that you're going to get. Um, I think one of the biggest reasons you want to work with a provider is, and I hate to use this term, uh, we used to use it sometimes, um, you know, run my mess for less. That was sort of the, you know, running the IT type of, of things. But um, so you're going to reduce the operational cost. You're going to increase ROI. You're going to make your IT teams more efficient, right? Um, in that way, you know, customers are going to be able to more efficiently manage their infrastructure, uh, manage their software. Um, the clients are going to pay for these services that they require and only the services they require. And a lot of times they're also going to get some form of a, a service level agreement from the, uh, from the provider to them that's going to be able to suit their business needs. But I think two other things as well, that ability to focus on the core business um, and I think if we look at how uh, IT responsibilities have uh, sort of increased over time as the business grows, and especially now that companies are expanding out of their data centers and they're moving out to a uh, multi-cloud or to a hybrid crowd role, um, they're asking those IT employees to do more things above their primary job tasks, right? So I think that um, you know being able to move out uh, to a sourcer is going to allow them to focus on the revenue generating task or the task that they're sort of uh, you know used to, but also then the scalability. We just talked about cloud um, as being one of the big uh, you know things that are going on out there, um, but also mobility. IoT is going to take off dramatically, especially now uh, when you think about five G technologies that are, are starting to come online. So increasing number of devices, uh, the growth in, in IT surveillance or IoT surveillance and manufacturing, healthcare, smart offices, all this stuff is just way too much for these IT teams to take on. So if we take now, add security to this mix, and I think it becomes even more challenging. Um, you know, every day, I mean, I see, I follow you on LinkedIn. So I see, I see the post that you, uh, you're, you're quite prolific out there in terms of things that are going on to remind us that um, almost every time you, pull up the news, you see that there's some prominent company that's discovered a vulnerability 
um, in their security systems. And usually it's after the fact, right? Yeah. Um, that they've detected something and they put out that announcement. So again, that challenge is that that set of often overloaded IT staff, um, they're now having to work overtime to get affected services up and get security back up and running pretty quickly, which becomes a really large wake up call for these companies. Um, suddenly, you know, people are aware that, oh my gosh, you know, we thought we had these things in place to protect us. Now we're actually realizing that we're vulnerable to a cyber attack. And without that proper protection, um, you know, tracking these threats just takes an enormous amount of time. Uh, it, it brings up a lot of considerations like staffing, um, having to find, uh, you know, uh, uh, qualified people and also pay them what the market's looking for. I mean, last week when you and I were talking about this podcast, I just said, hey, let me just kick some grins, look up, uh, look up, you know, uh, you know, something about, you know, Infoblox skills and MSP. And I found probably three uh, want ads, right, for people, you know, looking for that skill set. Um, but what's interesting that I've seen, um, you know, even from the past is that a lot of these companies look at security sometimes the way they look at IT and right. they say, all right, we've got the tools in place. Awesome. Right. You know, we've already done it. We're covered. They check off the box just like they've uh, checked off. You know, we're backing up our databases and, and that sort of thing. And that mindset, I think, can be kind of uh, kind of dangerous. You know, uh, you know, have they. It's great they have the tools, but they do have the comprehensive means to ensure that viruses embedded in spam are blocked, that they're detecting intrusion attempts, uh, that they're implementing the appropriate consistent changes they need to make to their systems and their infrastructure to make sure that they're not you know, vulnerable. Yeah, and I was going to say, and there's also the you expertise know? issue here because um, Absolutely. You know, there's you've already mentioned a couple scenarios like you know when they've discovered they've had a vulnerability, it's been exploited, they've got a breach in place. Mm -hmm. um, you know, a, you know, a lot of companies, you'll read the articles on, online where they've, well, they went in and brought in Mandiant or they've brought in somebody else because yep. those are things that you don't keep a staff sitting in a room until the day you need them for that. And the skill sets mm -hmm. are so extensive, you can't just, those are the people that are doing my day-to-day -day stuff. You know, it's, I like to think of this when I talk to people about where securities come because um, I've been in this for a while. Uh, when I got into security, all there were were firewalls and antivirus. Those are the only two security products you could buy yep. for PCs back then. And it, you know, I was like um, the doctor from the 1800s where people would come to the doctor. You just went to the doctor and he had to know everything about every illness that could possibly happen to you. And today yeah. we have all these medical specialists, computer and particularly security, networking, all these areas, they're, they're just like that now. You can't get a person who really knows it all. They might be familiar with some. Like uh, I went to my wife and I, uh, she had to go to the doctor yesterday. I went with her and we were talking to the doctor about a certain condition that we were following up with. And she was asking about some peripheral things related to this condition that he is treating her for. But he had to say, yeah, but that kind of, you know, I know what that is, but that's not my area of expertise. I want to send you to this other person. And that's where when you have these security incidents, you have very specialized expertise, some of which you rarely need or hopefully will never need. And so I can see outsourcing just because, you know, having a, uh, like you said, uh, you have a contract that they'll be there when you need there. You know, it's your service level. Absolutely. Agreement. And so you want Absolutely. them to, to, you want to know where you could turn because uh, I'm, I don't know if you knew this. I was a, I'm a CDRP, Certified Disaster Recovery Planner. And the last thing you can do is you want to show up. I did up, not know that. No, yeah. 
know, I show up, uh, you know, my first day of, uh, of the week and, you know, I had a good long weekend and I noticed that that window up there that used to be my office, there's smoke pouring out of it. The whole building's on fire. What do you do? Who are you going to call? You got to rent a facility. If you try to figure it all, then you are days behind what you need to be. You need to have this stuff planned ahead. And so I see a lot of people doing the outsourcing as more of an emergency backup. Um, they have an agreement so that they're there when you need you uh, need something. But there's also things that, yep. you know, we need it, but it's, you know, maybe it's not a once a year, maybe we'll need it. It's more like once a month, we need this kind of an audit. We need somebody to review settings. And so they'll have partners to do that. Then there's the equipment, yeah. like you said that, you know, with the some of the service providers, they actually have tools that it doesn't make sense for me as a as a business or even a government agency to buy that tool because I don't use it enough to get an ROI out of it. And whereas if I'm essentially I'm leasing it from them with personnel, with the expertise yeah. in the tool. And like you said, finding somebody who knows expertise on a specific product, like your example for people who knew the Infoblox tool, those are that's a, a big hole. And if you had people on staff that know That's everything, know every tool, you're overstaffed. And I don't think anybody's there yet. So it's um yeah, you know, absolutely it's a blend. So well, I mean, I think that when you well, absolutely, because I mean outsourcing those services to a uh, managed services provider or an MSSP, right? Is what they're really called, a managed security services provider. Um you know, that gives those customers access to a whole swath of unique tools and expertise, access to that team that's going to ensure that or can ensure that secure the network 24 hours a day. Um, and I think also it just takes just such a massive load off of the existing teams, right? So let's take those, let's take like a small to mid-sized type of company, um, you know, IT people are sharp and they're adaptable. You and I, have, we, we've done the same thing, right? When you, you broaden your horizons and um, you're an IT person who's been tasked with uh, using some of these tools to you know, perform some of these tasks. Well, then you start getting lots of alerts, right? More devices, more things are on the network, more things are coming in. And you know, I, I've read about this where it's, a, it's alert fatigue. And I've seen this in IT, where if you put out a brand new service out there, you get all this stuff and you don't know what to respond to. And then you let some of them just go by. And I remember, I, I'm always reminded of that one, I think it was like the Cloud uh, Security Alliance had this uh, quote, over 31% of security specialists don't respond to security alerts or all of them due to just the sheer number of false yeah. positives. And it just takes one to get by, just that one that can cost an organization so much time and money. Yeah. And I want to drill in a little bit on, so let's talk about some of these one-off situations like the, mm -hmm. I had a disaster, but there's other things like um, if we start talking about the different kinds of, of outsource options, the first one that comes to mind is I just bought a product. So why, what does the vendor offer? Vendors are starting to offer more services. Um, and it used to be, you know, training. Um, and then either they or their channel partner would do installation kind of stuff. Um, but mm -hmm. I see a lot of them offering a lot more professional services. What kind of professional services are you seeing from vendors that somebody can turn to? Is it just the training and it's all or is like audit? Well, I mean, you were... Well, you touched on a couple, right? Um, product installation and training, at least getting at least getting you competent to be dangerous with the stuff mm -hmm. that you bought, right? So you get that installed, it's on the network, you can integrate it in. Um, 
for me, just because I've, you know, happened to, you know, with some of the clients that we've had and some of my past companies, um, they had some sort of a compliance angle that they needed to meet. Um, let's say it's healthcare. I mean, uh, there are a lot of companies that are saying, hey, you know, I want to take instead of running um, an EMR or an EHR system inside my own data center, I want to get out of the data center business and I want to move this into the cloud or to a third party to host it. Um, that in, Now that that realm of control is outside of their walls, they've got to bring in a consultant or some sort of help to help them prove that they're actually meeting all of their compliance obligations that the third party provider that they're hosting it with is doing their part and being able to document all this stuff and also be able to report on this on a consistent basis. Um, you know, anything that's touches anything that touches state, local, federal government, that's an entire business in of itself uh, and brings yeah. all sorts of uh, services that are coming in. But I think we talked about others like legal. Um, yeah, you know, actually uh, about legal about PCI. Yeah, because legal is another thing, and and this is where. Some vendors do it, but this is where like a resellers, you know, which I'm going to use the generic term resellers. They can be VARs or, you know, VADs. Yeah. There's, there are resellers who do more than push boxes. And a lot of them are actually specialized yeah. in certain vertical industries. So if you're in finance, there's, there are partners that, you know, they work with the vendor and they can provide some of these services like the training, but not just provide the service that the vendor would, but it's now customized for your industry because that's where they specialize. Right. So you go from the vendor, you go to the person you're buying it through and they can put a lot of value on top of that, um, which, mm -hmm. which is worth having. Um, and I guess, um, you know, you mentioned legal. I'm also thinking certification services and I don't see vendors doing that, but um, resellers and then there are agencies who specialize on if you have to be you know, compliant, sometimes that compliance is, oh, by the way, you have to be certified, you know, ISO 27001 or, right. or something like that. So there's certification services. Those are very narrow. And again, those are mm -hmm. one-offs. You need them once a year. Um, but on that kind of thing, I've been through this at every place. And you and I have both been through this here at Infoblox as well, where um, they send out the notice. Okay, everybody, make sure you know we are getting this audit. So make sure your desks are clear. Mm -hmm. <laughs> they remind us periodically. Um, the good news is that they don't just do it right before the audit. It's you know every quarter. You know at the same time they make me change my password. I tend to get that email that says, right. by the way, here's the new video training. Every quarter there's more training. Oh yes, to help us stay you know on track. So. Um, I hadn't even thought about it, but that's a, uh, another area of expertise that your own security personnel need to know what they need to be doing, even if you use the outsource. If they're doing an outsource oh, company yes. who's doing the legal, who's doing the paperwork and submitting it, you know, give me the 20000 so I can pay this fee to get you this ISO certification. But, oh, by the way, during the year, you need to be doing these things quarterly, these things monthly and stuff um, to, uh, mm -hmm. to keep that. So... Um, let's see, I'm going through my list of notes because there was a lot of things, like you said, we, we went through, you know, all the things that we could talk about, which is, by the way, for the listeners, you may have noticed, I mentioned that uh, this is going to be the beginning of a series. It was supposed to be a one-off episode, yes. but when uh, Phil and David and I got together a week ago to kind of flush this out, it went that we're probably going to end up with three, possibly four episodes here. This episode is going to be kind of an overview of all the different areas where you could use different kinds of outsourcing resources. Um, 
Uh, and again, we talked about the incident investigation and response uh, services. Mm -hmm. There's even companies out there. Um, I've got some friends who work at a place called Arctic Fox and, and, and there's others where <laughs> if you're in a mid-sized company, you can actually hire them and they can become, I mean, they have different levels of tiers of service, but they can become like your mm -hmm. sec ops team. You still have some security personnel, but they can actually be assigned tasks that their job is to read all of those um, incidents. Absolutely. You know, so you can outsource yeah, and, some of your day-to-day -day stuff too. Yeah, I mean, I've seen, um, there, I was reading somewhere just like the different types of models of these providers where you can almost select from if you want the entire buffet or do you want to do a la carte? And it's not necessarily replacing what you're doing per se. If you have nothing to start from, take the entire buffet. Um, if you want to have, you know, additional integration of these new tool sets and these new skill sets, if the alerts are a big problem, you know, take that and integrate that into um, basically uh, your, your entire security framework. I remember, yeah, I remember working with ISPs a couple of decades ago. We'll just call them decades and mm -hmm. uh, hope people don't do that. <laughs> um, but, you know, ISPs, they had, you know, a plan. Um, now I remember the first time I really dug mm -hmm. into it was when they were off offering, um, backup data centers. So basically yes. if you're building burnt down, you, you have backups that are stored there and they could spin up a new data center with your mainframe and, and, you know, the big hardware stuff, they keep that yeah. on cold standby, um, the only time that on a trailer, yeah, well, on a trailer or in a facility. Um, yeah. I remember where yeah. you, you know, one company uh, when a hurricane went through Florida, wiped them out. They had to fly their entire team to Tennessee, which is where um, wow they they had this data center, and it was actually a facility that had eight data centers in it. They know that wow. because the other seven were occupied by other people from Florida in the same hurricane disaster zone. The problem yeah. was, is I also knew uh, of a customer of, of the products that I was representing at the time. They, uh, they, they had a contract, but by the time they activated it, all the data centers were full. There were no available. Wow. First come, first serve. So you basically paid for a service that just allowed you to get it if it's available. So they were paying and didn't have yeah. it. But today, this is, this is where I really like the cloud and, and all of that. There's that type of problem is really much more rare today. Matter of fact, I know a lot of those data centers, they, they've sold the facilities. They don't use them anymore. They only keep like one or two now. But yeah. they do need, you know, again, if that building burnt down, um, if you've been using the cloud, not as big of a problem. But if you do mm -hmm. actually have a data center, um, you're still going to have to find somebody who can get you equipment, even if you don't have it. Um, I do know a company um, that was hit uh, recently, actually, in um, New Orleans. They, they, they couldn't get into their building. Uh, the building was there. They could see it. But the street level, you couldn't get through to the building because oh, wow. it was underwater. But the problem was all the computers that they needed were in the building. And so they had mm. to, they actually took a bunch of their staff, drove them to Dallas, Texas, and did a one month rental on a building and then bought a whole bunch of equipment from all the local resellers and set up a whole new network for everybody. Um, wow. You know, but that gets into major disaster recovery. Again, one of those one-off things, you probably just need a phone yeah. number, not a contract. But what they did need was they needed IT personnel 
and security teams to install and mm -hmm. configure everything all of a sudden. So we talked about how a vendor or a channel partner could help you when you buy the product and business is normal. Now think of that kind of scenario. Yeah. Where are you going to get those wow. extra hands with a brain attached that knows how to install this stuff the right way? Um, in this market, in, in this, this market, market right now. Yeah, they yeah. Uh, they actually said that they had people bring in their high school kids with them and they they were teaching the high school kids how to do it and sending them through this this one floor of this building that they rented to get everything set up. That's so, school of hard knocks right there. Yeah, <laughs> there's going to be some smart kids coming out of that, though. I'll tell you. Oh, yeah. So wow. there was one last thing that we talked about, and that was integration services. And this is kind of an interesting mm -hmm. area. Because APIs, again, long ago yeah. when I was young, people wrote software and they had APIs and they could be integrated. Then the vendors got greedy and they said, no, I, if I have my APIs, <laughs> then they'll use that product with my data, but I want to sell them that. So I'm going to shut off the API so they have to buy my thing. And that kind of uh, mm -hmm. has reversed in the last well, probably the last six, seven years, I've seen a lot more companies opening up. They're going back to the fact that products need to work together, but that requires mm -hmm. writing code. You can't just say, this is the, I see this in, in uh, um, early buyer considerations. Oh, you've got an API, you can API, you guys can talk. Great, I'll buy it. And then they get it and it's like, oh crap, we got a lot of programming to do <laughs> to connect using yeah. those APIs. We have to write software. But that's another outsourcing service. Or yep. I know you work with companies that they represent so many of these products, they already have that, that code that connect them, or at least the expertise to build it quickly. So that's another thing yeah. you can outsource is somebody who's got expertise in multiple products can do custom work for you. Do you see a lot of that? Oh, gosh, yes. I mean, and the thing that made me, that I thought of when we were talking about that was mergers and acquisitions. Right. Two different companies, you know, one, you know, they, they decide to combine or one acquires the other and they're like, awesome. They handshake, there's press, you know, <laughs> links of the champagne glasses. And they're like, wow, none of these systems talk to each other. You know, they can talk to each other, but they're not set up to talk to each other at all. And you definitely need to bring in someone, not just from that writing the code and getting and using APIs to combine these things, but to do it securely to make sure that everything is functioning the way it's supposed to, and we're not opening up any security holes in the process. That's, that's a huge thing. You mean security needs to be thought of even when you're writing code? Wow, I thought it was an after-the-fact thing. It's crazy, isn't it? It really, really is. <laughs> yeah. Um, so. Matter of fact, that's another, there, there are other places where you can get these things blended. And I think a lot of people are used to, uh, particularly small businesses, mm -hmm. they can get their email service you know, they can get a Gmail account with their own company's domain and stuff, um, and they can get security with it, you know. So there are some blended kind of packages out there. Mm -hmm. um, I know there are some offsite storage companies that, you know, they'll store your tapes offsite for you. Um, and they also, by the way, resell the tape backup software that they know and they can use, <laughs> you know. Yep. So there, are, there's those kinds of services. Um but I was really, yeah, it's this multi-vendor thing that starts getting complex. I think, you know, when we talked about the difference between in-house and outsourcing, you know, one of the big decisions are, um, 
if it's just a one-off, like this one product, mm -hmm. I see people, and it's not just security, people buy salesforce.com, but they'll yep. buy it from a company who knows it, knows how to configure it, can do some customization for them. Over time, they know they're gonna continually need modifications, upgrades, et cetera. It's just one product mm -hmm. and somebody to support it. That seems to be easy. Who's gonna provide my email and the security? Fairly straightforward decision. It gets tough though, when we start thinking about how am I gonna secure my gateway? I've got a firewall, I've got a secure web gateway, yep. I've got DNS security, um, I've got to worry about DDoS attacks on various protocols. All of that, you know, those products can step on each other if they're not properly configured. Mm -hmm. um, that's another area in particular where the service providers who are, I know that that's an area, I, you specialize in it, but I have not been able to even not notice Service providers yeah. are providing you the line that connects your company to the internet, and they really do have a lot of expertise on all of those solutions that connect to the internet. Absolutely. I mean, they, and it's the fact that they're dealing with either the different types of enterprises, the different types of agencies, you name it across the different vertical. If it's, if it's happened, they probably have seen it. Um, and if, and if they haven't actually been involved in it per se, they brought in partners that they're also familiar with, mm -hmm. uh, to bring in and, and assist in those cases. Well, and that includes like, I mean, I've, I've noticed some of the packages where, yeah, the ISP is company X, but they're mm -hmm. also talking about AWS or Azure services or, you know, Google's, oh, yeah. uh, you know, version of that. Um, they do have a lot of resources that, that they are experienced in working in. And it's also the kind of thing that once again, maybe you'll just use them to help you get all set up and yeah. they'll just do, you know, maintenance and things like that. And you can take over the day to day because that's the other decision is just because I've hired this company to help me with this problem. It doesn't mean I'm hiring. The, I mean, you can, like you said, it's all a cart or all take it over. I don't ever want to mm -hmm. worry about it. Or I just need your help here, here, and here. I have this expertise. Oh, and by the way, this is the next part of in-house versus outside. The outside mm -hmm. is needed now, but we're going to start training some of our staff to take over some of these other areas where yeah. I'm paying you 300000 a year. You know, mid-companies, that's that's just one feature. You know, they get, yeah. we're talking multi-million dollar contracts quite often. So this one thing, if I could do it in-house, I could save 300,000. It's pretty easy mm -hmm. to go sell management, give me a head count and I can cancel that $300,000 contract. <laughs> you know, it's easy to, to justify when you've got that straightforward yeah. of a match. And so you might do outsourcing temporarily on things, complete outsourcing until you can start slowly building the skill set in-house too. Absolutely. And I think that's a very common, I mean, I think they that's even very common from just IT outsourcing uh, type of activities. Um, I, I've seen so many companies go through that M&A activity where they've needed to just completely transform their IT, their security, the way they're actually doing business in order to accommodate. And yeah, you get that partner who's able to come in, assess, um, manage, to co-manage, to transfer you know, back to the, uh, back to that, uh, enterprise. So, all right, well, we're running out of time and, uh, we'll have to come back cause we had things that we were hoping to get to on automation and SIM usage and how they can help with all of this. So we'll drill into that. Hopefully Phil will, uh, be uh, done with his little emergency here and be back with us. So we'll look forward to that. Um, yeah. but, uh, you know, David, thank you for joining us today. Um, and, uh, 
we'll have you back on. I appreciate it. And I was, and I have one parting thought to add. Okay. Um, when we do talk about um, MSPs, I know I come from a communications provider background, but you know, let's understand. And I was thinking about that when you were saying your, your, your point before is that it's not all service providers from a telco or an ISP perspective. You've got a lot of service providers who specialize in just IT um, and, and these really complex services to be able to manage and, and bring all these tools together and secure them. So, uh, so there's a whole wide range out there. Uh, of providers that can house assist. Yeah, and I'm hoping to have an episode where we'll really drill in just into the service provider area. And we'll have both you and Phil uh, on for that. So thank you again for your time. And I wanna thank all of our viewers and listeners for your time as well. Join us next time as we continue our efforts to help you stay on top of cybersecurity and ahead of cyber risks on Threat Talk.